What's up, everybody? This is episode 93 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, we're breaking down Xbox's first ever developer direct and the state of Xbox as a whole. Plus, did Laura Croft cut in front of Joanna Dark? We'll talk about it. Mm. And is Uncharted dead? We'll talk about that, too. Uh, But before we get into it, let's introduce your two-man panel for the show, I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco. Joining me, as always, is the technical mess, the wild card of the show, Pablo, who got on camera and within a matter of moments had tooth floss in his mouth. Uh, just just because that's what he does to me now every time we turn it on the cameras. It's always gotta, something new. It's either baby face or floss. We got to keep it flossy in these streets, man. That's just... I knew uh, was laid, gonna, that's that wasn't just, convincing at all. You set me up. You set me up, and so I, 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 I think I hit that one on the park. Pretty good at it. Uh, no, man, listen. Uh, did you know, Marco, that Game of the Year video games have already come out, and it's already over for 2023? Did you know oh, that? Oh, yeah. Thing that yeah, according to Twitter, uh, Game of the Years have already dropped for 2023. The rest of the 11 months to go uh, are null and void, Pablo. It's um, over. Yep. As Vince Carter um, said, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all don't know what that means, but it's a gif. Go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, a great game of the year contender has dropped Pablo. But we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. But before that, how are you though? How, how's it going in your life? Doing pretty good. Um, I had this whole week off. Uh, you know, taking care of some things around the house. Uh, okay. Back at it next week. Uh, full schedule. Uh, got some gaming in, not as much as I thought. I thought this week I was gonna I was gonna play like fifty hours of, of engage and then enjoy some of the new stuff. Mm. Uh, but I got I got a lot of time in. Engage is my main squeeze. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I got some gaming time in, so it was it was a pretty good week. Spent a lot of time with my son, uh, much needed. So all sounds good. like he's starting to become more self sufficient, strong, independent man. Uh, playing oh, yeah. his by by himself with his toys. It's a big step. It's a huge That's step. A big step. Yeah. Just op- little car he has, and he it opens on the side as a food truck car, and he opens the thing, closes Ooh. it, opens it, closes it. That's the extent of it, but he's doing a good job. Hey, man, that's all you need to do when you go to a food truck, man. Just mm-hmm. pull up. Um, pull yeah, up, yeah. My, my daughter's doing pretty good. She's uh, she's she's quite the gamer these days, Pablo. We have graduated beyond the Paw Patrol games on Game Pass. We are now in Mario Kart, pretty heavy. Oh, my gosh. Um, she is routinely winning. Uh, various races, albeit she has the uh, kind of the, the guardrail mode on, so she doesn't go off track because yeah, you know, still driving skills ain't all there yet. You know, we're working on it every every step of the way. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's getting her game on, man. It's it's helping That's pass exciting. the time uh, for sure. So I think I might have to get that um, the expansion thing with all the new tracks because yeah, she's, yeah, she's burning through these bitches, man, and she loves yeah. all of them. Those we don't we don't really talk about it on the, on the show when they release, but I've been playing those. Those are excellent. All yeah. those are excellent. More Mario Kart is always fun, dude. Um, that's that's like um like how are you emotionally when you saw your daughter actually playing? Because I don't know how I'm gonna be able to handle that. Uh, oh, I folded up. I folded yeah, up big time. Like a yeah. beat up lawn chair outside baking <laughs> in the sun, bro. I listen. Paw Patrol because she she knows Paw Patrol, so she sure, can name sure, all sure. the. 
all of them, all the people, Sky, Zuma, all those. Uh, some of y'all know who I'm talking about, you know, fellow dads out there or, or moms, depending on who you are. But uh, when we got into Mario, that that hit different for me because that's like gaming, gaming. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. just some TV show turned game. Like that's like rooted in gaming. And so she knows Mario. She knows Peach. That's her. That's her girl. She picks her every time we, we race and she knows who yeah. Luigi is now and all those people, man. Um, she's scared to death of Donkey Kong. Uh, I think it's a legitimate thing. I think he's a That's threat. That's the right thing to do. It's yeah, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's anthropomorphic. A, he's lethal I mean, out there. Are, but yeah, yeah, he's a but, um, last monkey. Yeah, but it is pretty touching to see her kind of get into it like that. So I think I'm going to try to get um, one of the um, 2D Mario games and see how she fares with that, with you know enemies out there and, and you know dying and stuff like that. Yeah. See if she can handle that emotionally. Uh, and if she can, then... We're off to the races, man. So I'm yeah, excited. I see, uh, I see a Nintendo Switch in her future. Oh, yeah. it's a, this. It's practically her her system now. I mean, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. you know, I just kind of keep it handy for it. I, I charge it. That's all I do. <laughs> You're um, the charging port. But uh, other than uh, playing video games with my child, we have lots of stuff to talk about, including new games that we're playing this week, Pablo, plus a lot of interesting news stories about Xbox, about uh, the future of Uncharted, and of course, the Xbox Developer Direct. So if you like the sound of that, ladies and gentlemen, give our show a sub. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our official website at cooldowntime.com. If you're feeling extra cool, you can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, so, Pablo, let's go ahead and jump right into the first segment of the show devoted to the games we've been playing since our beautiful listeners last heard from us. We call that Loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we have one of our uh, one of our busier lists of games Uh in our loadouts uh, so far, in quite some time, actually. Um, and we're starting off with a game, Pablo, that, um, and we'll talk about kind of the, the shadow drop aspect of it later on when we get into the direct, but we did get a shadow drop of a game called Hi-Fi Rush that is available on Xbox and Game Pass and PC. Um, Pablo, you know, this one obviously came as a surprise to all of us, um, but just thinking about the game in and of itself... Uh, what has your experience been like, especially considering how unique of a game this actually is? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a tough sell when you're watching the, the, the show and they're telling you all the things that it is, and you're like, that's a lot of things. This, this game doesn't really come together until you actually get hands on it. And even then, the very beginning is is very tutorial heavy, and it, it seems like, okay, I, I like what I'm seeing here, but there's just not enough here. If this is the game, then it's pretty mid. The thing is that the game is, it, it evolves in a way where I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really, like, obsessed uh, obsessed with the game it is it is it's turned out to be an incredible surprise um it is an action adventure beat em up rhythmic game uh you know the thing about this game it, it like it, it it reminds me of so many things, and that's working also as to why I love it, because it does remind me of Sunset Overdrive stylistically. There's even a gravity rush aspect to it that I'm looking at, and it kind of feels like that as well. Ratchet and Clank, oh, Jet yeah. Set Radio, yep. all, all that stuff all in one, and it, it's a, it just... They took all those ingredients, and I, it, 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 I'm remiss to think that this wasn't on purpose, because the guy who made it wasn't... Um, 
the guy who makes all the the scary games over there at Tango Gameworks. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, it, it was this other not Shinji Mikami. Dude. He just kind of helped yeah, out. It, yeah, yeah. It was jo- Jojo Hansen or John Joe Hansen. He's he's the one that made. Uh, sorry, I'm butchering your name, but man, he you know. It lo- it, he looks like one of us in terms of age. It looks like he grew up on these games. And so he made something that's very near and dear to his heart. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think for me, uh, it just it delivers on its unique experience. I, I love the combat system, how deep it is. Uh, once you start unlocking your 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 teammates and moves that you can do with them and then the combos and then the fact that you can gain bigger uh xp and just kind of more damage if you're actually playing to the tune of the beat itself which is actually it's it's a little forgiving it is i mean there are some things that you have to be right on especially like when you're destroying thing and it's like a it's a qte of of um those, yeah, there's like but a they gra- also they also have difficulty modes and they they yeah, have yeah. a lot of stuff on the menus um, to kind of help you out and they give you a lot of tutorials to get really yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I I never felt and also it's not like other games where you feel like for example Metal Helsing uh, Singer when you're when you're not hitting those beats the game feels not good right yeah it it this game doesn't do that like you could actually not be hitting anything on beat. Uh, and you're still enjoying the game. It's still it still plays like an action uh, adventure beat 'em up kind of game. But the fact that they have that extra thing to it and it just makes everything so much better because the whole world is reacting to the beat of the music, which is yeah. which is fantastic as well. Um, yeah, but I, I like it. The the, the art style is absolutely breathtaking. It's oh beautiful. my god, it's, it's yeah. stunning. It's stunning. It, it is. It just really is. Like when you go into that, you see the whole world and how everything is moving to to the beat of the, of the song. But artistically, how everything looks, the, the 3D with 2D, uh, it, and then the transitions between those cutscenes into the world. Insane. Those things are. It, it's perfect. It's per- that, did you do that one mission where you're? I'm sure you have railing and you go through smoke and it goes yep. into a cutscene. Yep. That is. Cr- that was like. That was like jaw dropping because it's. It, it, it does. It's not like. Oh my god! This is the most realistic looking game ever I played. That's not nothing like that, but it's just the technical aspects of the game with the art style and the way it's transitioning back and forth. That stuff is like incredible. Uh, and then you know it's charming. I think the main protagonist protagonist rides a thin line of annoying and a lovable doofus. Like we're just coming off the heels of Forspoken, and you know it's one of those things where like the main one of the main problems that game had many uh, is the fact that. It was annoying to hear that person talk, the main protagonist talk. This could have been that, but I think they pull it off just right. Where he's 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 not as annoying as you might think he is. You know, especially he's he's starts. a little Peter Parker and a little Ratchet yeah. from Ratchet and Clank to me. Uh, yes, that, again, it just it's all over this game. Just yep. just the, the the attitude and the style of it, and then the rogues galleries of villains are are absolutely awesome. I think they're all unique and different, hilarious. Amazingly written. I, this game is. It, it, if you, I, I would say, I recommend you go into the first major boss, and that's a that the the one where they play the Nine Inch Nails songs. Uh, mm-hmm. The first once you pass that, you're gonna you're gonna actually. It's what happened to me. You come to this realization that this game is absolutely incredible. It's just it, it really is. Uh, it, it, for for me, it, it's doing all the things that it, it, that it, it's doing all the things that it, that it said that it was doing, and it does them all perfectly. Right? It's great action adventure game. It's a great uh, rhythm game. It's doing everything, and it's doing it at at at, at great. Uh, it's doing everything greatly, I should say. I, I but you know, I I'm curious to see what um what your thoughts on it because I know we were texting back and forth early on uh, about it, and we were just kind of like, yeah, it's all right because we hadn't gotten to that point yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And after that, we haven't texted since so uh, about this game specifically. So, what, what do you think? 
Yeah, so, yeah, um, it took me until I think like the third mission to really start locking in and enjoying it. I think the first few, um, the opening hour or two is is very tutorial driven and because they don't unlock certain gameplay components until a little later on the game kind of felt a bit hollow to me so my immediate concern was oh is this all they have to offer um and in that case then it just felt like too much of a gimmicky thing for me to kind of stay with but as it started introducing more gameplay elements and the the mini bosses in particular with the different ways you have to approach beating them later on, um, that just created a lot of different dynamics and variables that made this game way more diverse and interesting than what I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, to double back on some of the points you hit, the art style, one of the first... <laughs> I, I, I was telling Pablo before we hit record, like... Let's get the game of the year docket started because this game belongs on a couple of categories and obviously the best visuals and art style is going to be one of them. Um, I, I wish it was an HDR to really make a lot of the vibrant colors pop even more, but even then without it, it's still... Um, it's still gorgeous to look at the animation style, being that slightly choppy look. That that um, whatever that Spider Man, yeah, yeah, yeah that one, yeah, yeah that it's going for that kind of aesthetic. Um, the 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 dialogue and even the quips aren't really all that obnoxious to me. They can be a little cringy at times, but it's it's self aware enough to know that it's it's. I hate to keep throwing Forspoken in there, but Forspoken really doesn't yeah. want to come off self-aware right it yeah. wants you to think you know this is just genuinely good writing whereas this game have, it's like we know this is ridiculous you know and they have a character peppermint who is basically calling uh chai out on his shit on his shitty yeah. like commentary. into, that, so it's kinda, into yeah. that point all the characters are named after food <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's that um so i i just love the 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 lightheartedness and i love the energy the game has too um and yeah i mean it just went from being this okay thing that I was playing more so out of curiosity right. um, and into something that I'm like, oh, I have to finish this. And it's not Absolutely. a very long game. I think it's like 12 hours from what I've heard. So it's not a... I heard, huge, I heard shorter. I heard 8 to 10, actually. May, maybe. Yeah, it depends on yeah. you know if you're really looking around for like hidden areas and stuff. But I think it's excellent. Um, this was the game that we were kind of half joking at the beginning of the episode. Like People are saying there's already a game of the year out there. This was the one we yeah. were referring to. But... All jokes aside, I think, you know, it it does make a decent case for itself as yeah, being I mean, a, a really standout game. And I, I don't see a game coming out doing something like this later this year and going, oh, well, that's just a better version of High Fight Rush, so we won't count right, that. Right. And, you know what I mean? Like, this this game's going to stand on its own for how unique it is. But um, I, I, I think it's excellent. Um, yeah, and I'm, think- I'm not saying, and I want to say this too, I'm not saying that because I'm riding the, like, the momentum or the hype of the, of the developer direct. We'll talk about how we feel about that event later on. This is purely just based on the merits of the game this game could have been even if it didn't shadow drop you know and it came out a couple months from now i think i'd still feel the same way so it's not it's not because it just shadow dropped that we're giving it this extra boost uh i think we legitimately like it so i think you're having a version to kind of like talking uh in the same way that some unfortunate xbox pundits talk about games like this because anytime there's anything good even if it's just a small victory, they run with it for weeks and weeks. And then you got some people who are a little more jaded, even within the industry, kind of like, is this a new Twitter game where everybody tells you it's good even though it's not that great? Like, I understand all, all those things going around, but, uh, you know, I, I 
the shadow drop portion of it was great. Love that. We'll talk about that later. But again, you could play the game. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that a shadow drop is going to do for me that's going to make me like a game. The, the whole concept. Well, you weren't expecting the game, so you're you're being a little more lenient. No, that's not true at all. If this game was ass, if it was empty like it felt at first, and it it didn't evolve into this incredible uh, action adventure game, yeah, I would be sitting here telling you this game is it was a gimmick. They tried. Not great budget title, but it's not. It, it's it's a great game, and I and I'm and it's 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 gonna probably be up there when and a year comes. Uh, it, maybe not, but you know, if, if you ask me today, obviously, like you said, I don't know. I don't see any of the game coming out and doing what Hi-Fi Rush has done. Uh, yeah, and exactly. That's, and that's a huge statement to say in January, but I really do believe that because it is a unique game onto itself. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what I'm glad for is is because it's out in January, we start being more respectful to the games that come out in the beginning of the year. Like, I, f- I feel like a lot of times with Game of the Year discussions, everybody always has that, oh, I forgot that came out this year kind of reaction yeah. to games that came out early. Um, I think this game's going to stay on people's minds uh, throughout the year yeah. and into Game of the Year conversations, which is a great thing. Um, and it, deservingly so from what I played. And I think I'm and around we- maybe halfway through. So. Yeah, I'm halfway through. Who would have thought that the first Tango, first man. party uh, the, from the Bethesda purchase was going to be Tango Game Works? I did. Gonna, I did. I'm the one that gave Ghostwire Tokyo all the flowers out here. I gave them all no, the daffodils. No, no, but I mean, I, I, no, no, no. You, you did. You did. You did. But I'm talking about like an Xbox exclusive, like because uh, yeah. like, well, everybody yeah. thought it was going to be Starfield last year, Redfall, and it was Tango Game Works. No, no, no. You're right. I, they, that's not, and I want to take this out of the way too, because I've heard a lot of people kind of disrespecting Tango, saying you would never have thought. I, you're probably right in this style, but when you think about the uniqueness of the studio and how unique they are and what they do, and how most of the games are not like any other games we played before, this is kind of like right up their alley. This is oh yeah, a, another weird game from Tango GameWorks that fucking works, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Shout performance, I. It's pretty good, right? You're, oh yeah, yeah, buttery smooth, no issues at all, it, so. and, and that's good. That's, that's definitely good. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next game, though. We knew this one was coming. This was not a uh-huh. st- uh, shadow drop, um, but Dead Space is finally here. The remake of the infamous and classic survival horror game from the old era has now been brought back to the new era, and yeah. uh, we've had some time to mess around with the opening hours of the game, Pablo. Um, do you mind if I start first real quick here? Because I'm yeah. kind of the newcomer here, or yeah, the yeah. pseudo newcomer to Dead Space. So I, I think this would be a good starting point for a lot of people who are in my shoes um, to, to give this game an, another try. Um, so I think it's safe to say that the essence of Dead Space has been largely untouched from the very, very limited time I've had with the original game. Uh, it still feels very much like it's um original game um i think that the the modernization to certain things are very subtle but very helpful with making this game feel a lot easier to control uh especially when it comes to the shooting and just being able to kind of navigate around and not feel like so much of a of a weird tank with with a wonky yeah. camera like the original game did for me, which I think was kind of looking back like that's probably what put me off about the original. Um, this this remake kind of fixes almost all of that uh, with very minimal wonkiness um, left over. Uh, I think that the presentation is excellent. 
Um, other than some graphical bugs that are still happening right now at the time of this recording, I think the game looks very good. The sound design is pretty well done as well. Though I, you know, I, I don't want to compare this to the, the Callisto Protocol and open that can of worms again, but I think uh, it's not as good as what I've heard in other horror games. I'll just say that from a sound standpoint, but it's very good. Um, I think, um, I think that I'm actually enjoying it a lot uh, so far. Uh, I'm, I think I'm more receptive to the the, the gunplay and the general theme of shoot the limbs not just the head kind of a thing yeah, yeah whereas i think in the past i really didn't like that too much but um i find it more enjoyable now and i find this um setting the ishimura much more interesting and more atmospheric and less kind of corny uh as i felt like the original game was to be completely honest so i'm actually kind of glad that i bit the bullet on this game um I was originally not going to buy this game, but I'll talk about why I did when we get to um, some other stuff. But um, I'm very glad that I turned around and decided to bite the bullet on this one because I actually think this is turning out to be just as good of a remake as we've heard. Uh, it's at a 90% on Open Critic, Pablo. Yeah. So clearly, it's it's quite beloved. Uh, you won that well. one. You won that. You won that. Uh, oh, I that did. I wasn't even. I didn't even realize. No, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> you only. You only tweeted it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so you're up two to one on our open critic predictions right so now. But uh, yeah, it's still early. But uh, let me kick it over to you, Pablo. How are you feeling about this from the limited time you've had with it so far? Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Marco. Uh, I, I I think it's just improving on the formula uh, of the pre-existing game. I, I everything that it does so far because I'm early on. It, like like every remake that comes out where it's like, oh, it feels like I remember it feeling, you know? And, and it does feel like that, even though when you think back at it, uh, definitely the movement was clunky. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff uh, in terms of, like, the, the graphical... It, it was... It, graphically, it was very impressive then, but it was very dark, very... It, it was hiding a lot of stuff. Uh, but this game so far looks great, sounds great, uh, and what I do love is... The thing that they did back then is we could walk around and listen to audio files. Who would have thought? Oh, my God. Oh, you magic. couldn't do that? Yeah, you can. But you couldn't do it in Callisto. You can't do it in a lot of these oh, other games. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. one. All right. Yeah. The only, the only difference that's new, and I think that it, it works for the story in an incredible way, is voicing Isaac. Uh, that whole opening mm-hmm. with, with the conversation with Isaac, nobody was really talking to Isaac. It, it always fell off. Like... Sure, Isaac was watching that video with his girlfriend, but it was weird that nobody was really like, talking directly at him, expecting an answer. It was like the strong silent yeah, type. Yeah, he seemed like, like he was kind of left out. Like, like yeah, he was just kind of yeah. like, yeah, th- that weird engineer over there can go do whatever. You know, it just felt right, a little off right. to me. I didn't like it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, but now with, with, with adding the voice, it adds a lot to it. There's still those little kind of old, old gen stuff where. You know, and, and, and I hate to bring Callisto, but this is just the, the most... And Let's just talk about the most recent Resident Evil games, remakes, where you see a cutscene play out in front of you. It's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very like, oh, the camera angles. In this game, you're just kind of standing there and the, the things are happening in front of you. Like, you could just, like, turn around and not look at any of it if you wanted to. Like, yeah. uh, th- those little things are kind of like, I wish they did a little bit more with that. You know, now that Isaac is voiced, now that he has the, now they, they have the face from 2 and 3, like, and they did something a little more cinematic in that way, which they don't do. So it's very much still kind of like uh, Half-Life storytelling where the, 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 the story is happening around you and you're just standing there. Yeah. witnessing everything uh mm-hmm. there's still had the the silent protagonist uh 
thing where you're in the game, but you are the person, uh, and this is not the case anymore. Isaac is you're playing as Isaac. So, but other than that, I, this is it's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to play this uh, to play this more. I will be playing this a little later though, because I'm right now I'm 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 in, I'm still really engaged. Oh in my Fire god! Emblem. I knew he was gonna do it. Uh, I knew it. I could, I could see the, the the sparkle in his eye when he was about to say it. Um, why, why don't we transition to Fire That's Emblem right. Engage, Pablo? I know we talked a little bit about it in the last episode, but we really didn't get a chance to get a ton of time in there right. uh, before we recorded. But now that we've had an extra week, uh, let's circle back to it again and tell me how you're feeling about Engage. What's going yeah. on? I, I'm still hooked with the, specifically with the gameplay mechanics. Uh, finding that moment-to-moment gameplay to be excellent. It's very deep. But uh, base understanding of the mechanics still work really well. Uh, uh, once you start understanding your teammates, their strengths, uh, you know, kind of combining the emblem rings with specific uh, characters, you really can start to plan ahead your battles in advance in a way that a lot of the games you can, but th- it, this allows you to do that a little bit easier. But you don't have to. Again, it's just the beauty of this game. I think it, there's so many things that it does well in that aspect. Uh, I will say, now that I had more time into it, the social aspect is much more baseline than I anticipated. Like, sometimes to a detriment, but also to an advantage, because it does get to the core of the Fire Emblem combat, which is what people love about the series. Uh, your relationships grow, like, on the battlefield, uh, rather than they do uh, in what's it called? That place called the Somnium, the, the yeah, uh, Somnial, yeah. the Somnial, yeah. yeah. The Somnium is uh, I the Somnium files, yeah. The th- so because that place is a little redundant because you can do everything from the hub. Uh, you can do all the conversation, all the bonding conversations, uh, all that from the hub. Uh, so I do miss that uh, just a little bit. Where in Three Houses, not to the extent where Three Houses. It had all this like social stuff where it was like 50% of the game but it, it, it's a lot more baseline than I anticipated in that sense um, one other thing that I will say and, 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 and interrupt me if you're not clear on what I'm trying to say I guess is that the game feels a little bit budget it feels a little bit cheaper than Three Houses, and, and this is why. I In Three Houses, there was a lot of cutscenes that showed different things happening, right? Big moments of the game happening in these cutscenes. Now, obviously, those conversations on the battlefield were always there and integral to a, a Fire Emblem, but a lot of moments in this game, once you beat a boss or, or, or the end of that battle, the person will say, well, I'm, I'll be back, I'll get you my pretty, and your little dog too, that kind of shit, and they leave, and something crazy happens, they don't show it, they just show your person kind of like, oh, like just like <laughs> gasping, like oh, clutching at their pearls, and yep. it's like, and then, and there are moments where they do do have a cutscene, and it looks really cool, it looks it looks really cool, uh, but they don't show that. It's like very few and far between. The game is made on a mobile, a uh, 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 a engine that's made specifically more for mobile games. So I do wonder if they had to make this on a tighter budget than Three Houses, even though Three Houses was their most successful game. I don't know what what it is, but there's something about this game, other than the combat, other than the good stuff, which is what people love. You know, I, I know there's people out there that turn off cutscenes, they speed everything up, uh, they turn off all the uh, all the actions cutscenes inside the battle and just play the 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 the, the actual battle in the game. I know people who play this game like that, but everything else surrounding that 
it just feels a little cheap. And it, it I will say it, it's throwing me off just a little bit because there's just a lot of stuff about the game that really is so good. And then I would want to just, it could be so much better if mm-hmm. it's just a little bit more of the, the quality to it that I, that I was expecting from a, a, a mainline Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Um, I've had a quite a roller coaster ride with this game over the last couple of days. Um, earlier, uh, a couple of days back, I tweeted in my personal Twitter account um, how cozy of a game I thought this was. Um, I really liked the pacing. It didn't. It, it felt very like a very comfortable game to play, uh, and I, I like those types of games that feel comfortable. But the more I went on, Pablo. It went from feeling cozy to feeling a bit sleepy. And then it went from feeling sleepy to feeling very boring. Um, And I have to say, you know, I I teased earlier, I wasn't planning on getting Dead Space, but I got Dead Space predominantly because I am very close to bouncing off of this game. Um, I'm actually actually not enjoying it all that much uh, anymore. And... um, the the oh. boring feeling is Sorry, man. you were excited for this one. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of shocking. And what I did was I I I re-downloaded three houses and I played maybe about thirty minutes of it or so, just from with a different with a different class that I never did before. So it at least felt somewhat new. And I compared the feeling I got from that to uh, engage, and it feels night and day different. I I think the biggest issue I have with engage is the storytelling. Huh. Um, I think it's outright bad. What and I storytelling? It it's it's a combination of what storytelling, and then also there is not a single character I have met in this game that I actually like at all, and it it borders on either being completely dull, pervy, nerdy, or the shrieky anime squealy girl thing that almost every female character in this game does, with the exception of maybe two that I've seen so far. Everybody thinks the Divine Dragon is so fire, like so hot. Oh man, um, it got so. I mean, it got so bad. I tried switching to the the Japanese voice acting to you see can't. if that was any better. It really wasn't much different at all. It sounds good. I mean, it's well acted, but I just think some of these characters are absolutely abysmal and i have no interest whatsoever in what's going on i've i've been trying to rein myself in and go okay maybe if i just play this and just really lock in and sink my teeth into this story and then i realized there's really nothing to grab onto here it's this very boilerplate i'm the special being thing that the main character is and we got to go collect some rings and everybody's like we're gonna take your rings no you're not and we're gonna fight and then that's kind of the basis of the story so far and and i don't think this is gonna affect at all but how far along are you i'm probably i don't know where it is in the grand scheme of things i think i'm on chapter eight yeah i'm a little bit past you and i can tell you right now it only gets worse yeah, it only I, I got to one of the one of the characters I ran into, and I am deathly afraid she's going to turn into a, a companion. It's the one with the pink hair that's like um, really squealy girl. Um, the one you just find frolicking in the snow for no reason. 
I don't know. I'm not even sure who it is, but it's it, and that's the other thing. They all kind of blur together in my brain, yeah. and, and I never have that problem with Japanese kind of games. I my 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 pain tolerance, if you will, yeah. for this kind of storytelling is pretty it's pretty solid because I play a lot of JRPGs. I'm used to the tropes. I know what kind of characters are going to sound like what. This one just it just beats you over the head with obnoxious or just boring vanilla characters. One of the two, and it. I love the combat. The combat so is excellent. Good. I have zero gripes about the combat, although I think the engage stuff is a little gimmicky. It, it, it doesn't feel like it's a needle mover for me. But I think that it's just constantly stepping on the toes of what I love about the combat by giving me dialogue, characters, and plot beats that, that either are underdeveloped, like you said, where things are happening off screen, a whole ass funeral is supposed to have happened with a lead character in the in the early part of the game that you don't see on screen at all, uh, or it feels cheap. It just feels very cheaply thrown together. I, I don't know what happened here, but compared to Three Houses, I have to say this is a night and day difference, and I actually am not enjoying it anymore. It, um, so I, in I'm, my mind, Three I Houses might come just back. feels yeah. I might come back though. In my mind, Three Houses just feels like the. It just feels like this is more of a spinoff. Is what it feels like, like than, than a mainline. Uh, it's like it's like Fire Emblem All Stars. Let's just throw a bunch of characters yeah. from the old games in here, and, and you remember stuff- this person, and 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 we really don't because a lot of them didn't come out in the games that, that we got in America. So a lot but of us don't all know presented who they are. Like holy shit, it's Leaf. Who? Yeah, here comes another bland-looking Fire Emblem character that sounds like the other fourteen that I have oh, in my. If you're not a party. Smash, I don't know you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, so I, I don't know. I, I I think I'm gonna try to wait until I'm in a different, maybe a, a different mentality where I'm in I'm in more but of the, a mood. Here's the thing. Here's for this, the thing with but, that. I don't think this is a, a mentality thing because I'm having the same issues that you're having. But understand the way that I'm playing this game is I have it set up. I have the battlefield up. I'm almost playing it like chess, where I have it. I'm moving some pieces around. I'm going. I'm feeding. Mm-hmm. I'm feeding Ethan. I'm doing something else in the kitchen. I'm coming back, doing my next set. Like that's the only reason I'm probably ahead of you because the game is constantly on mm-hmm. in, in, in my in, in my gaming area. So I, and I'm playing it like that. And then when the story missions come on, I'm just going right through those. <laughs> maybe hear something. I, if there's a cutscene, I, I hear it. But everything else, it, don't care. I go into the menus. I go into the bonding things, and I go into the conversations. Don't care, except my bond. Yeah. Get weapons that are that's it, and then go right back into the battle. Which I do appreciate that this is that's been streamlined to where you go right into it. You know, coming off of Midnight Suns, that they force you to do that to a certain extent can get a little tedious. Um, I will say, uh, yeah. Engage does show you more how how you should play a game like this. How, like all the options for speeding up combat, none of which Midnight Suns has, which is a fucking... It, it gets really painstakingly uh, boring uh, to see those characters do the same thing over and over. So that stuff is still great in Engage. Yeah. But you're right. Combat's on is, point, but... Yeah. The story is... There is no story, I, honestly. I mean, other it's than... Hollow. Yeah. A group of people were collecting an army to go get all the rings to the end, I guess. I don't know. It's, oh, it's not compelling at all. Devil it, guy. Yeah. Three Houses had so much more nuance to it. Um, I guess I just kind of forgot just how how much of a night and day difference it was till yeah. I came back to it and I'm like oh yeah these characters are better um, and and the story the the premise is way more interesting than so yeah I mean I have yeah. to double back and I have to admit that a lot of the reviews were right uh, in some respects I still stand by some you things still have to play on your own to, to, to yeah, understand but, it, you know, know it unfortunately it it's not quite doing it for me at this juncture 
Um, Speaking of not quite doing it for us at this juncture, Pablo, let's go ahead and talk about the last game on your loadouts. I'm I'm very excited about this this little soliloquy. Not quite doing it for me, legacy video games. Uh, (laughs) Talk about GoldenEye 007, which dropped yesterday on both, uh, well, today, actually, whenever we record this. Uh, It dropped on the Xbox, and it dropped on the Nintendo Switch, uh, which I have both because both are available through the service, the N64 online thing and Game Pass. So I'll talk about both of them here quickly. New improvements to the resolution and frames only on the Xbox version. Uh, you're able to, and all that affords you through the Xbox is be able to see more clearly how much the game continues to hold on for dear life in the mid category of games. It is mid as a motherfucker still. Uh, <laughs> and then the the control scheme, I, I, I will say something positive. The control scheme is only on Xbox where it, it actually it attaches both analogs. Uh, and that is a little bit of a game changer in terms of like the game is actually playable in 2023. That is not available in the Switch version, which is absolutely unplayable. Um, you know, I, this game continues to walk around people's brains with big boy pants on. Uh, it, it, like, it was like one of the best shooters of all time. And it is, it is, in my opinion, the most overrated game of all time. If we ever do something like that again where we talk about most overrated games, just know that this game will be number one always and forever. It, it is just not a very good game. Uh, I, 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 and, and I, I hold to that when, even with the, with the re-releases people talking about, Oh, it's on replaying this weekend. Why would you do that? It, it, it's, 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 it's not good. The online I stuff. Mean, in, yeah, nostalgia is a bit, is, is a beast though. I, I mean, I, it, I played this game in 97 and I thought it was bad then as well because it was just well, frustrating you, to play. <laughs> no, I know, but, but, but on a technical level, when you go back and you play, we're talking about Nintendo 64, where Mario 64, Super Mario, and the SNES, these games are eternal. These games can be played today and still feel good. Even then, this game was made on a very small time frame to coincide with the film, and then three years later, Perfect Dark comes out and does this game except good. Like it, 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 it better level design, uh, better character design, better guns, better story. It, you know, within within that time frame, you talking about back then. Uh, but this game just for me never felt good. It never felt right to play. Uh, I know people had a lot of like at home moments were playing this game. Like, oh, we had a blast. But people talk about this game now. Like, what's the point of playing? My point is, what's the point of playing this game on your uh, on your Xbox if you don't have you can't play online? There's no way to play. You know, play the single player campaign. Really, that that's horrible. Like, it, it's just one of those <laughs> things where I, it always pisses me off. People talking about this game like it was like, oh yeah, top tier Nintendo 64 games, Ocarina of Time, 007. Like that's how you know you can't respect that person's opinion about video games. Okay. Uh, <laughs> even when you go back to nostalgia, I mean, rose tinted glasses, <laughs> rose tinted glasses aside, there are many people who I know who love this game who could admit today that Perfect Dark is better, that this game is unplayable today and it is fun to be in the in, in nostalgia, like, oh, this is cute, I'm not gonna play this, but there's a lot of people out there who are saying that this game is like, oh, this is one of the best games ever made. No, it's not. It's horrible. Anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to have a moment here to just kind of remind everybody where I stand. Uh, Perfect Dark is the better game, always and forever. GoldenEye 007 is hot, mid. It's not garbage. It's just mid as hell. And then people talk about it like it's the greatest game of all time. It is not. You all suck. Shut up. Shut up. I hear you. Okay. I hear you. Here, here's you the thing. Here's the thing. Um, before. Before everybody wants to fight you, let, let me let me say this, okay? Let me shoot some bail to Goldeneye. Cause I, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of Goldeneye either. I'll, I'll readily admit that. But I will say this: the shelf life for first-person shooters, 
particularly on consoles, um, doesn't age very well at all. And that's just across the board. You know, a game two years removed from um, the other can be radically different and, and much more modernized. Like, you know, I mean, we go back, even if you go back to like, the original Halo Combat Evolved still holds up well, but, you know, you can tell it's been, you know, the, the formula's been been improved upon since then. Metroid Prime, one of the best first-person games of all time. You can't go back and really play that game and, and have a good experience like the old days without uh. feeling like, man, this feels a bit old. Like, so I think, I think GoldenEye is perhaps the most glaring example of that because of just how long ago it was when this game came out and just how how new shooters were for consoles around that time as well. Like it just wasn't the norm back then. So yeah, I mean, if we're talking about how poorly it's aged, it's, it's aged like, like milk. It's, it's terrible to come back to. And I did try it out for like five minutes and I'm like, Ooh, this isn't playable for me at all, but I can see, and this is where I'll shoot it some bail. You know, it, it might not be, technically and mechanically the best or one of the best games of all time but you know it is a big part of people's gaming upbringing it is what introduced people to shooters it is what introduced people to competitive gameplay um besides just street fighter or mortal Kombat or mario kart like it was a new flavor of that for its time that Obviously, if you're going to go back and try to have a party of like multiplayer party, it's not going to hit the same as it did back then. But I think, you know, if it's a nice throwback and it's nice that it's available for people that just kind of want to go back and relive some childhood memories. But, um, you know, I don't yeah, knock anybody it, for saying it's one of their the best games ever. Cause, I, will, I mean, because it, what, what, are it, you hold, what are you holding on to? Like the time you had like seven friends over at your house and you played the game? Like, I mean, fine. If that, I mean, if how is that any def- different from, from how people talk about Halo? Well, I mean, because Halo is a good game, and even it, it well, even all holds of that's up till today. Subjective, I mean, but I mean, yeah, it holds but... up. It holds up today, relatively speaking, especially if you're going to compare it to. And I'm not talking about graphics. I'm talking about actual game. I'm actually moving the stick, like moving the the gun. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about how it looks horrible. Who cares? Of course, it looks horrible. Doom sixty four looked horrible. Doom sixty four came out in the same year. It was the better shooter, but it had a better mechanic when it came to shooting uh, shooting the the gun and, and how that felt. The gameplay was bad when it came out and they admitted so because they made it like in six months and it got refined in 2000 and 2000 but i mean i would say for me and the reason why i i i've always disliked this game it's just it never felt good to play it never felt fun half the half the time that i ever played this game and had a blast laughing was because of how 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 utterly insane the game got because of how you were standing right in front of people shooting your gun and unable to hit them because it was that bad of a control scheme. Like that, that how bad it is. People forget how bad it is. Actually, added to how it was so much fun with friends online. You know, when you play Halo, a little more combat, uh, combat, a little more skill set based. If you're playing, that's where you, that's where the fun derives from. But back then, it, 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 a lot of the fun came from just setting up a mine and, and, and tricking people into to start shooting at you because they couldn't really land anything, hit the corner, set the mine off, like little stuff like that. But all it all derived from the game just not being very good to begin with. So I, I obviously have... I'm saying this a lot of it, and I'm putting a lot more stank on it. You know, you know, game how you game, like what you like, obviously. But in the general sense of things, it, when people talk about the greatest games of all time and they talk about Goldeneye, uh, Goldeneye 64... It, it does rub, it does rub me the wrong Clearly. way because 
<laughs> it's just not a very good game to play. Like it, it wasn't good then. Like if you're playing it, if you played on the Nintendo uh, the Switch and you play it right now, you go, man, this feels really outdated. I don't know how people played it back then. They didn't. They couldn't do. They couldn't play well back then either. So it wasn't like it was good then and it was bad now. It just was never good. I that's, don't know. I, I think that's, that's where I difference. disagree. I think yeah. for its time, I think it was a lot of fun for what it was. But there so. was a lot of Disruptor came out the year before. You already Who? had Doom. You, but I'm saying you had games that <laughs> shot better, that played better. But because this game was, it, it was, it came at a time when it came out with the movie, which was the first James Bond movie for our generation, and also came out on a new system. It was like the first big game that it that it had at, besides Mario 64. Like it, it was a lot of things going for that game at the time, which I understand why it got so popular. But also, if you think about it. It, it it was also a flash in the pan because I mean Perfect Dark comes out in two thousand, Torok comes out like all these games come out and people are uh, talk about those games as being the better shooter games. But anyway, I I, I digress. I, I I still stand by. I, I always thought this game was horrible. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean I don't like on... it either. But like I said, I th- uh, I I think I think the first person oh, yeah. shooter genre owes a lot to Goldeneye. Uh, oh, I opinion. don't think so at all. I think uh, on consoles, I think it starts with in 2000, it starts with Torok and Perfect Dark, and I think Halo because of what they did. Man, I, Turok. The, no, Torok was a great, it felt good to play Torok at, at the time. What I'm saying is, I, I don't think that GoldenEye had anything to do with success of first person shooters on consoles other than the fact that it existed. That's it. Because I honestly think that it was Halo with with everything they did and the kind of the mechanics and the and the AI that they had in the control to help you make it feel like it was mouse and keyboard. That's really that's really what made that's really Halo's contribution to to, to the video games. Sure, the, the, the Master Chief, all that stuff in the story, but it's really the fact that it made uh, first person shooters viable. I don't think GoldenEye, in my opinion, had anything to do with that at all because there's nothing in modern gaming or gaming even after that in 2000, 2001, 2003 that has any resemblance on the control scheme, the way the control looked, the way the uh, uh, played, where the gun was positioned. None of that stuff exists. It, it was all changed uh, and made for the better as time went on. I, I think without GoldenEye, we still would have all the great first person shooter games that we have today. Without Halo, we it might have taken us a, a, a little longer to get to, to good first person shooters on consoles uh but yeah we could talk all about right. this all day but we're like an hour 19 and we still we're still on loadouts <laughs> <laughs> well let me uh let me talk about one that is uh more more generally well received at least on this podcast persona 4 gold man fuck that playing... game too it had nothing to play <laughs> i'm still playing that um uh, why is yeah. that on your list is it just you, you're juggling you're spinning too many plates again what's going on with you man no no i i played this game all the way up let's say friday up to wednesday i was still playing it um it's okay. just with, with dead space coming out i just kind of the last and hi-fi I get rush nervous about out. you again man i get nervous because well, just, I, you, I, I did put it on pause just for hi-fi rush because I, I really honestly was not expecting for me to yeah, play hi-fi rush yeah. for more than five minutes yeah. but yeah yeah, but um, yeah, still playing more Persona Four Golden. Um, I am working my way through it right now. It's on the back burner a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to keep it in as kind of the game I play throughout the next couple months um, yep, when I get through the the newer stuff, and I'll just keep circling back to it. Since it's not a newer game officially, I think I'm going to kind of deprioritize it, but still keep it as a priority. Yep. But um, I, I still love it. Um, I'm still of the mindset through playing it, more of it that it is very, very close to Persona 5 in terms of overall quality um, by the sum of its parts. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So I don't, I don't want to you know dive into all the reasons why again. Uh, we talked about it a good deal last week. So um, still feeling the same and, and enjoying good. all of it. So yeah. uh, very good time indeed. I but 
uh, we need to move on. We got to get to the new segment of the show, Pablo, that we call Hit Points. Let's go ahead and do that now. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so we have four Hit Point news items. So we have uh, three of which are Xbox related, uh, but we'll, we'll cover those in just a second. Let's go ahead and get the non-Xbox related uh, Hit Point news item out of the way first. And that involves uh, the Uncharted series, Pablo. So uh, Naughty Dog's co-president, uh, Neil Druckmann, has stated that the studio is officially done with Uncharted. Uh, Druckmann said, quote, for us, Uncharted was insanely successful. Uncharted 4 was one of our best-selling games, and we were able to put our final brushstroke on that story and say that we're done. We're moving on, end quote. Uh, if this is truly the end of Uncharted, Pablo, what are your thoughts about the series, and are you cool with their decision to move on? Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, I think Uncharted has done everything they possibly uh, I, I think Naughty Dog could have done everything they possibly could do with Uncharted, all the way up to four, and then maybe even uh, overstate their welcome a little bit. Uh, Uncharted four was way too long. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this is the end of Uncharted. I think this is the end of Naughty Dog making Uncharted. You know, Sony owns the IP. There was rumors for a while that uh, another studio was making either a remaster or a remake, or so whatever that is. I just think you know. When when everything happening now with uh, the Last of Us, I think a lot of questions are being thrown at at Neil about, hey, what's your next project? Is Uncharted going to get a TV show, a movie, a next game? And I think he just wants to let everybody know we're not we're not doing Uncharted anymore. You know, we're we're focusing on whatever new IP they're making more uh, Last of Us, which I'm sure is, is going to happen. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, yes. I'm glad that Naughty Dog is moving on from Uncharted. I think if Uncharted has to exist because Sony wants it to, I'd be interested to see somebody else take a stab at it and, and kind of bring their own taste to it. I don't want them to do more of what well, has already been done. Uh, kind of their own little spin to it and see what they can they can come up with. But yeah, out of all the out of all the Sony exclusives that are out there that are pretty much all amazing, um, Uncharted would be the one that I would be less excited if they announced a you know the the next reboot or even part five i i i don't want to see that i think they told the story they needed to tell and i'm glad that they're moving on yeah um i don't fully disagree um there's no question that uncharted is super popular uh the movie performed relatively well all things considered yeah and um you know and i think that that says something so to your point i wouldn't be surprised if they pass it to a different studio um, and maybe they um, kind of refresh it or start a new story arc with maybe Nathan Drake's child being the next protagonist and he's the Sully of that game or something like that um, as old Drake or something like that. But, you know, um, I think that it's great to see just holistically that there is such a thing as finality to franchises like sequelitis is a real thing in this industry and i think a lot of times we the, i think we can all think of a few examples of some franchises that have lingered on way past their expiration date yeah. um so the fact that neil Druckmann is saying you know what we did everything we, we wanted to do and we're moving on i think that's that's a really refreshing um decision because yeah. It's it's a whole lot better than than you know digging Uncharted out of the grave and you know just bringing it back for the sake of bringing it back and it doesn't feel the same and and so on and so forth and and I think besides that the the template of Uncharted 
I think they've done all they can do with that formula in terms of, hey, there's this hidden treasure from this old pirate, and we got to go get it and solve a bunch of weird puzzles that are weirdly made for us to re- climb up and, and rappel down and all this weird stuff. Like, they've done that plenty of times throughout this this series. And I think if you're going to hypothetically bring it back, I don't know if you can bring it back and have it be the exact same thing as it's always been. Because to me, I think that would just kind of be the epitome of redundancy. And then at that point, why would you even bring it back in the first place? Yeah. So uh, if it's time for it to, to go, then let it go. And, and maybe it can live on through, you know, continuing the movies and turning that into, you know, uh, something yeah, that but- gets some sequels and keep that rolling. But I, I, I think it's time for Naughty Dog to, you know, uh, probably figure out what they're going to do with The Last of Us Part 3 and then... Maybe start a new IP. Just get a new IP up and running. I think it's time. I think that um, they're very good about putting the period at the end of the sentence and um, knowing when it's time to start something fresh. And I, I would much rather see them do something original and new than return back to this franchise. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see that for sure. That. Yeah, it would. It, it would be. It would be a drag if they did Uncharted. If they did a uh, Last of Us three, and then the next project is Uncharted five. That yeah. it would actually. It would actually be like ah. Oh. Really? They're way too creative to pigeonhole them into those two franchises. And I don't want to... Yeah, I'd rather yeah. give them away to somebody else. And I don't want to make them sound pr- pretentious, and I don't want to be the guy, but I think I think Donnie Dog's a little bit... Uh, they've outgrown Uncharted a little. I, I think... I, I, I think... Look, if, if Hi-Fi Rush is an example, I think a studio can do whatever they need to do to make a successful game. But I feel like the Naughty Dog, they're... Their main pull to why they exist is the story and how they can wrap you up in that, you know, emotionality of the story. And it's prestigious. Mm-hmm. It's it's prestige gaming, and I hate to use that word, but just like they use no, HBO no. prestige TV, like I, it's it, it's prestige gaming, and I and I feel like without them coming across as pretentious, I, I would like for them to keep making games for people my age, to for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on what they do, but Uncharted will apparently not be uh, in the cards for our boys at Naughty Dog. Uh, Let's go ahead and shift gears, Pablo. Uh, I think from here until the end of the show, we're going to get very, very Xbox-centric here. So um, we have a lot to talk about, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just kind of what it is. Uh, Xbox has been in the headlines pretty heavy, and we have a lot of things to unpack about the state of Xbox um, leading into the uh, Xbox Developer Direct. So uh, the next three uh, news items are going to be Xbox-focused, starting with uh, Xbox having released their 2023 fiscal year quarterly report. I know that sounds like the most riveting thing in the world, but... Um, There's a lot of interesting data uh, that kind of talks about uh, just how Xbox is performing right now. And the data is kind of shocking, to say the least. Um, What we learned is that gaming revenue overall is down by 13%. Uh, Xbox content and services are down by 12%. Xbox hardware revenue is down 13%. First-party and third-party content has declined. However, the one bit of good news is that Game Pass subscribers have uh, grown. Um, But, I mean, down, 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 and down seems to be the theme here, Pablo. So based on this news and the numbers, uh, what is your take on the state of Xbox from this particular standpoint? And how concerned 
uh, do you think people should be about these kinds of numbers? Yeah, I don't know if people should be concerned. I but I do think like uh, Xbox isn't going away. Uh, but I do think it's an eye opener in terms of like uh, you guys understand how bad of a year Xbox actually had. Now I will say to caveat all this, the industry as a whole was down five percent across the board. I wouldn't be shocked if other companies also had soft sales in certain aspects. But the one number that sticks out for me as a concerning number is actually hardware revenue being down thirteen percent. You're two years in to a um. Uh, it's a new product. You have two SKUs. One is very uh, uh, economically friendly, and for all intents and purposes, is the con- is the only console of the three that has been readily available in, in, in out in the wild more than yep. PS5 and the Switch. And the fact that you're down 30% is incredibly concerning because at that point, what you're seeing here is that. People are not only people are not in, engaging with 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 uh, Xbox. They're just flat out not buying Xboxes. Uh, at least last year. Now there was a report that came out just a couple of days ago that showed that Xbox actually had more engagement than PlayStation and, and the Switch because of the of, of cloud gaming and the fact that you can access games from different. Uh, that's just not the that not necessarily just the Xbox, and maybe that's what Xbox is focusing on. But I I do think that it it, it calls for concern in that. 2022 is not something that can happen again. Uh, and, and, and like this year coming up now is a big year for them. Uh, yes, I understand when we're talking about KPIs or key performance indicators, you're always looking at the past to inform your future. So sure, 2021 was bigger because it had Halo and it had um, Forza and it had a whole bunch of other games and last year they didn't have any. So that that difference between the gaming revenue being down being at 30% makes sense. But that's the problem is that it was down to begin with because in 2022, they had nothing. They had nothing to, to, to show for. And I don't think anybody should be concerned in thinking that their Xbox is going to die. Uh, that's not going to happen. However, we're in a position, we're, we're in a moment in time where the recession is is killing a lot of big tech companies. They are cutting uh, many jobs. And I wouldn't be surprised that if Xbox has a bad year this year and a bad year next year, that they cut that down. They cut Xbox down. They could get rid of Xbox. Now, now that it owns all these, uh, if that Activision deal goes through, just make them, make them a publisher all around. Like Sega is basically that right. could happen if this continues. So this could be nothing, or this could be the beginning of something. That's for sure. I don't think these numbers should be just to be looked at and be like, ah, whatever. They're definitely things that you have to look at and be concerned about. I just don't think that they're specifically uh, game changers today. But this could be the start of something. We can all look back to this and be like, holy shit, you know, this is this is this is where it all started. Now, Game Pass mm. subscribers growing, you know. That makes a lot of sense. They're focusing a lot of stuff on there. There's a lot of good games that did come out on, on the Game Pass third party games last year, uh, and that continues to be the case this year as well. So I don't, I'm not too shocked by that. I, I, it is, it is a little bit interesting that they didn't mention it, you know, numbers specifically as to how much they grew by. So if that, that goes to show if it's probably one or two percent growth, they're not going to put that on there because it looks bad against twelve or thirteen percent loss. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's where that's where I'm at on, on these numbers. How about you, Marco? How, how are you feeling? Yeah, so you know when you talked about the possibility of them having to move into a publishing sort of structure, I think that's exactly what my thought process was, and that's why I th- I think I think people should be a little concerned. Um, 
there's so many things I want to say here. I hope I don't forget any any big points, but let me let me start here. Throughout the course of last year, and really since I'd say the Bethesda acquisition, I think a lot of people the the chic thing to do, especially in podcasts, was like who should Xbox acquire next and what should they buy now? And maybe they can get this this company and oh man, they made a great game over there. We should they should buy them. And it became this like what to do with Microsoft's uh seemingly boundless, you know, funds and wallet, you know, so to speak. I think what we've learned through the layoffs and through looking at this fiscal report data is that Xbox can bleed and they are not as boundless and they're not as limitless as people like to think they are. In fact, they are suffering in many of the same ways that a lot of tech giants and other companies out there are suffering too. They're not exempt from that. So Xbox is in somewhat of a vulnerable position at this point in time because of that. And I think that that does create cause for concern. Um, it, to your point, when you're down 13% with hardware revenue, especially when you have a SKU that is 299 and oftentimes yeah. discounted to like 269 especially around holiday time, like, and, and, and you're still not really getting over the hump, but maybe a couple times a year, um, that's, that's kind of spooky. Yeah, and I think that's that, and, and what that really says is that there's a very scary domino effect that happened last year. When you don't have com- compelling games, you're not going to have compelling sales. Um, and, and that's why the term system seller is still very relevant in this climate, uh, when it comes to gaming, uh, Pentiment is not going to cut it. I'm sorry no. that... I'm sorry to say that. I know people really love that game. I know some people are very high on grounded, but that's not a system seller. And when I so oftentimes throughout the show's history, I talk about the quote unquote marquee triple A game because those games matter. And Xbox spent a whole year basically squandering a lot of momentum that they built up in 2021 with nothing but bad headlines about troubled development, the Halo debacle, 343, and then all of a sudden everything's getting pushed out to 2023 and 2022 becomes a wash. Like I think the other thing to that point, and this is the last thing I'll say for now, cause we have other stuff to touch on here, but I think, and this is going to be a little controversial. I don't know if you're going to rock with me on this one, but I think Phil Spencer, if he's not feeling the heat, I think he should. Um, I don't take anything away from the great things he's done for Xbox when it comes to resuscitating, uh, the brand after Xbox One and what that was about to be in terms of a train wreck. He's done a lot of good, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But this is very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately industry. And under his watch, and we'll talk about an interview that he just had with IGN where he kind of admitted such, um, he is on the hook for what 2022 was. He is on the hook for pulling the trigger and pushing for this acquisition that his, I think, has objectively thrown off the the flow of Xbox, the messaging of Xbox, the cadence of of their um, you know announcements and the way they've talked. I think it's had a very detrimental impact on Xbox as a brand. And in this limbo of the ABK deal, I think that Xbox has looked incredibly weak. Um, you couple that with delays and underwhelming you know Game Pass year. I think he's got a, he, he's on the hot seat a little bit here. 
Um, so he's going to have to step up and not necessarily just rest on the laurels of what he did up to a certain point, but he's got to figure out the now and the future um, and fast. Because I'll tell you one thing. I know Jim Ryan's not a popular guy, and I don't mean to compare the two, but um, businesses love the Jim Ryan types for a reason. And they get those positions for a reason, even though they're not the nicest, they're not the friendliest, and they're more cutthroat than kind. Like, Xbox is not going to just let the nice guy run them into the ground, I guess. I know that sounds extreme, but if I'm Microsoft, I have, I, I, I love Phil, but I have to look at Phil and go, yo, you got to, you know, this is on you, man. What are you going to do? You, so, when, when, like, when a sports team does bad, they don't fire the players. They fire the coach. Uh, and I, Correct. I don't, that shouldn't be a controversial take. I think anything that happens at uh, in Xbox should reflect on Phil. Whether or not there are many circumstances or many things at play that could, that could you know, stop a game from releasing and that maybe Phil does have control over that. But tough shit. That's the job, you know. Uh, you know, with the whole Jim Bryan stuff, PlayStation is the industry leader. It is what it is. I mean, they got someone up there who, who's, who's maintaining status quo because their, their status quo is number one. It's winning. Uh, so, you know, so Phil has been on the defensive the whole time. He got it from Matrix days, and, and, and he's turned it around as much as he possibly can. Now we have to see the fruits of his labor, which we haven't. And I, I, I do think that if we have to blame somebody, we have to blame one person, we blame Phil because it's, 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 it's happening under his watch, you know. Uh, yeah. So I don't think that should be too much of a controversial take. So, which brings us into our other, uh, which is uh, IGN had an exclusive interview with Phil Spencer to, to discuss basically that, the state of Xbox. Uh, just kind of bullet points, the things that you should know. He admitted that in, that 2022 had too few first-party releases and takes full responsibility. Uh, he believes Hi-Fi Rush Shadow Drop as successful, as being successful. He is more confident in Activision Blizzard deal than he was a year ago. And he believes that 343 and Halo are critically important for Xbox and hinted at new things they're working on, most likely that Royale, that uh, Tatanka that has been out there for a while. So mm -hmm. what do you think uh, about Phil Spencer's comments uh, at this IGN interview? Yeah, um, you know, I think that the thing that stuck out to me the most is his confidence in the Activision Blizzard deal. Um, not so much because of what he said about it, but because... That's all he's been really talking about um, for, for most of last year in a lot of interviews. Um, it just felt like all he did was find an interview to go sit down and talk about the deal and to use that platform, whatever it might be, as a means of, I don't know, like kind of putting his propaganda out there about the deal. You know, and kind of clapping back at things he'd hear from Sony or what or whatever. And after a while, that got really old. And so, you know, I'm kind of tired of hearing about his feelings about the deal as a whole now. I think at this point, it's about getting it over the hump, surviving this lawsuit situation with the FTC, and just seeing where things land. But if I'm Phil, and I hate to do this because I don't know half of what he knows, not barely even a quarter of what he knows. But I, I hope that he's thinking about contingencies uh, if the deal doesn't go through. I hope they're not putting all their eggs in that basket. Um, and I hope that, you know, they have a plan of action uh, 
if the worst case scenario happens because you know his confidence is great but i almost feel like he he's he's bound to say that he's not going to go on an interview and go ah, i'm not feeling good about it anymore you know what i mean so <laughs> i i just hope that he's He's doing his due diligence. That's all I'm going to say. Because yeah. I, I, I hate when I feel like Xbox always gets caught with their pants down. Um, and I hate for this to be the next thing. So, Yeah, but my problem with that is we have a lot of people, a lot of people with their hands involved talking about the Activision Blizzard deal. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, And they, they have podcasts, write-up, articles, and they're offering their opinion. And you can tell just the way they're talking about it is that they have no idea how the FTC works and how all this stuff works. So I think Phil saying, being on the defensive and continually talking about it is because people won't shut up about it. But I, I agree. I'm, t- I'm tired of him talking about it. Uh, I At least from everything that I've seen and even, you know, uh, the homie Hoaglaw who hasn't been able to, to do the videos that he's done lately, but he was pretty confident on, on the deal itself. He To the point where if it goes to trial, it's kind of probably Xbox preferable outcome is actually for it to go to trial because there's a lot of things that happen there uh, that um, that could bode well for Xbox. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I just want him to, to, to I want him to completely stop talking about it. I wanted to I want this stuff to go away from the news completely. It's not gonna affect uh, it's not gonna affect Blizzard's uh, output uh, I hope not anyway. So I, I, I don't want him to talk about it anymore. As for everything else, you know, this is part for the core stuff. I mean uh, you know, 2022 had yeah. a few, few, few first-party releases. Yeah, we all, yeah, of course. Yeah. Halo's critically important, duh. Yeah, Sure, we know that. Just yeah. the mascot. I mean, uh, Hi-Fi Rush being the Shadow Drop being successful. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, nobody drops huge, massive games anymore as a Shadow Drop. So, yeah, I mean, it's a success. So, a lot of the stuff, uh, I, admittedly, I didn't really know much about it until before we started recording. It's a lot of redundancies here. He's definitely on the defense. And I want to see less of this, Phil, because I feel like this whole interview is just him kind of, you know, riding the wave a little bit after the fiscal year reports are out, after what he deems a successful uh, directors, uh, I mean, uh, developer direct and the and the drop of a new IP. So he's kind of riding that wave a little bit, and I kind of want to see less of that. I want him when he goes on these interviews to just be like, "This is what's happening now." Not more or less. We're confident as to what we're gonna. I don't want. I don't care about your confidence anymore. I want to yeah. see results because that's where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, I, this this whole thing screams. You know, I, I think I think Microsoft reps reached out to IGN. As you know, hey, we'll give you an exclusive with Phil, yeah, because we're kind of hearing a lot about the layoffs, the three four three situation, um, the fiscal re- report is is not looking great, uh, but we have some positives, and we need to kind of spin this back around in our favor again. Would you do you want an interview? I think that's I think that's what this was at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think Phil volunteers uh, <laughs> to go to IGN unless he has uh, some type of agenda. Um, and I think this was it. I think this was about, you know, in his brain, whether we like it or not, speaking about confidence and speaking about, you know, importance and making people feel secure, um, in, in the Xbox brand after this series of bad news, um, which to that point, Pablo, uh, the last hit point news item is another example of, of such a thing. Um, do you want me to go ahead and kick that one off or you got it? I got it. I mean, it's, uh, it seems like the new Tomb Raider game is slated to be revealed this year, mm-hmm. but according to a notable insider, which is Miller Ross, Crystal Dynamics is working on Tomb Raider and Perfect Dark full time, but Tomb Raider is expected to release before Perfect Dark because the development of Perfect uh, Dark is quote has quote hit a few road bumps 
and we're not talking about doing cocaine uh, in Route 66. <laughs> I don't think anybody about... was cons- was confused about us oh, talking you know. cocaine, Pablo. Probably some cocaine out there be like, oh, they hit it to road bumps. Uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On the road? Look, Damn. this is for, is this, is again, is this more of the incompetence uh, over at First Party Studios going on over there? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah I, and, and look, I, I kind of want to break the fourth wall for a second. I think um, at this point in the show, especially if you're a big Xbox enthusiast, this might start sounding like nails on a chalkboard to you. And um, because of how much we've had to kind of be critical of Xbox. And I think a lot of people in the Xbox community are very hard to deal with when it comes to receiving criticism about their their favorite plastic box much in the same way that other fanboy communities are um and and this isn't a pylon you know this is just reality right uh the month of january with the exception of hi-fi rush has not necessarily been kind to xbox as a whole and we're we're only one month into the year we've already heard of layoffs we've got numbers dropping um phil seems to be kind of off kilter right now um starfield still kind of mia halo is going through hell still and now we have this right so i think that the studio incompetence is a huge deal because and i remember saying this a long time ago xbox is not gonna be able to buy their way out of their first party mismanagement problems Right. Uh, you, you, you can't buy your way out of that problem. Buying more studios is only going to increase the degree of difficulty in making sure that these games are coming out at the quality that we want and expect from Xbox, right? Um, and this, this project, this Perfect Dark project, is almost the poster child at this point, um, with the exception of Halo, I guess, as being like the what is going on with your with your management of first parties kind of a story, right? Because this isn't the first time this has come up. We've heard this project has yeah. been all over the map. We've heard the initiative has been you know restructured. A lot of turnover happened. Things got weird there for a while. Um, I don't expect Xbox to be flawless. I don't expect any uh, of these big three to be flawless. But the frequency of these kinds of headlines has got to get under control. I don't I don't know who is divulging this information to the Jez Cortons and to the all the other leakers and insiders out there, but Microsoft has got to do a better job of putting a muzzle on this shit um, because it's getting out of hand. I mean, problems do happen. Um, issues do occur, and I'm not expecting that to go away because that's just how development is. But the fact that this keeps reaching us, the consumers... Every time. If it's not Perfect Dark, it's State of Decay. If it's not State of Decay, it's the Fable reboot. If it's not this, it's it's 343 drama. If it's not that, it's Rare's Everwild project. It, it's it got to get under control. Here's, it here's, has to. Here's the thing. Um, here's the problem with, with that is you're right. Things happen, um, and it's hard to develop games. We all know that. But Xbox is in a in a difficult position because they aren't the market leaders they're not the tastemakers and so when you have god of war ragnarok being delayed till 2022 even though it said it was gonna be 2021 with uh horizon forbidden west being delayed uh out of 2020 and releasing in 2021 uh 
uh, sorry, 2021 versus 2022, nobody was talking about incompetence. Nobody was talking about, oh, another delay, shit's going, uh, you know, shit's going afoul, whatever. And I'm sure shit was. It's just, it's just game development. But I think that there are so many hands in, in the pot here that these insiders can just say, hit a few road bumps or big issues over over here and they're probably right they're probably true but the, it, it 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 just it hits the news cycle a little better when it's xbox and it's like oh we've they've hit a few road bumps and now they're delaying the game out of whatever like you know we're holding certain games unfairly because of how bad 2022 was like oh uh this game better come out the first half or it's a huge failure of Starfield. It's like, but if it comes out, it comes out. People are going to forget when it came out. Sure. But like, it's just Xbox has a lot riding because of what it's done in the past. But I, I, I kind of, sometimes I see these stories and I'm like, damn, that sucks. And like you said, who's leaking all this? How do we know? But I also feel there's a little bit more to it. Uh, there's a little bit more put into it when they're reporting it because how easy it is because a lot of these companies don't um they don't respond to rumors or speculations to say hit a few road bumps and it could have been nothing or it could have been something this could have been an agreement the whole time that crystal dynamic is going to work on 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 perfect dark as soon as they're done with tomb raider that could have been it but because of the history and how bad 2022 was all these things happen and they're amplified that's and I think that's what's going on here as well. So there's a lot of amplification when it comes to these problems uh, that that are going on throughout. And because I mean, you look, you got Metro Prime Four completely being rebooted, and the general consensus was that's fine. Take their time. That game needs to be perfect, and they are 100% right. That's that's the correct way of doing that. But unfortunately, when it comes to Xbox, they don't get the same kind of uh, pass because uh, they have yeah. they don't have they don't. But but think about it though. Metro Prime Four is got rebooted sure but it we also have a whole bunch of great first party nintendo games to come out that are going to wet our appetite right we got tears of the kingdom coming out we have incredible games you got you, sure uh got where ragnarok got delayed but we got forbidden west we got all these great first party games that are still consistently and constantly coming out if Xbox had games that came out last year or had a consistent stream of first-party games, all these stories about hit a few road bumps wouldn't matter because we're getting Starfield for sure. We know, let's say, we know that for sure. We're getting Starfield. We're getting Redfall. We're getting these first-party. We're getting actual games. But the fact that that hasn't happened yet, every little delay that happens is amplified times ten. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't or should do because again. All the other companies that are having the same problems that Xbox is probably having, they're still not having pipeline issues. We're still getting the Fire Emblems. Uh, we're still getting great first-party titles amongst the delays that are happening. So I think there's definitely amplification based on the fact that there's nothing coming out. Uh, but I hope that changes going forward, but we'll see. Here's what I'll say. And and I don't know whether we agree or disagree here, uh, but I'll, let me just kind of air this out before we get to the checkpoint. I think that there is a very heightened victim complex with um, when it comes to Xbox at times. Community. Where, what's that? You mean with the community? Yes. Yeah. Oh, for um, sure. I I think that they play the victim card a lot. That they yeah. somehow get more flack. Uh, that Xbox gets more flack than other than than the other you know big two nintendo and sony and i'm just gonna say it that's that's probably true and and, and this is gonna sound a little cold-blooded but the reason why is because at the end of the day even though there might be trouble development or there might be delays with nintendo and sony games ultimately 
nine times out of ten, they end up delivering. Um, that's not been the case with us with Xbox. And if the, the the going theory is like if 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 we saw what they did with Halo of all of all things, right? Their biggest franchise, their Mario, their 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 flagship, and they let that happen to Halo. It just affects the confidence in everything else that that yeah. happens afterwards. So there is the skepticism. It I is a little we'll bit more. Thing. Yeah, it is more critical, and it's deserved because until you can write the ship and not just put games out, but make sure those games are of a, a certain quality that we want and expect from Xbox. Yes, it is going to hit you a little bit harder. And yes, a lot of insiders and leakers are going to be more nosy about Xbox because... Take a lot more liberties, too. Yeah, well, because the story is usually juicier with Xbox because nine times out of ten, there is something kind of going wrong, right? Yeah. So in, in a way, even though the leakers kind of get on my nerves sometimes, that they're also... I also understand from their perspective that, you know, hey, this is kind of where all the... It's, this is where it's all happening. This is where all yeah, the bad yeah, yeah. news is coming from, and it keeps reaching my desk. So what am I supposed to do? Ignore it? Like, uh, you well, can't. Some, some Xbox players decided when these fiscal numbers came out to not even talk about it. Yeah, which is it, crazy. It's, which is weird. There's the other extreme of a lot of people that kind of, you know, bury it all, you know, in the sand and you know tuck their heads in there with it, and 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 that's not that's not good either. You know, when yeah. we talked about a lot of other headlines recently and. It's crickets, you know, and you go back to these podcasts and it's almost like it never happened. It's back to the how awesome is Game Pass because Hi-Fi Rush, you know, and, and well, we're back down Rush that. Hi-Fi Rush is not going to erase the, the, the sins of, right. <laughs> of Phil. And know? and that's why I kind of had that fourth wall break a few minutes ago about like, I, and I'm not trying to make it sound like we're, you know, oh, we're so unique, but like we're, we're one of very few places that love Xbox the way we do and are able to be as critical you know because i think a lot of people once one good thing happens you touched on it earlier hi-fi rush drops and we're back to recycling the how awesome is game pass topics with all the you know the panel-based podcasts we're back to rehashing how awesome is 2023 gonna be it's we're already getting games like hi-fi rush and it it does become annoying that this game is so good at in in a weird way (laughs) because because people just take it and they they build on it in a way that isn't earned yet by xbox we got to wait and see how all this pans out. But these kinds of headlines with, with Joanna Dark cutting in front of, you know, or Laura Croft cutting in front of Joanna Dark, that you can't, you can't, you can't keep on letting that stuff happen. Um, so I hope they can get a wrangle on all this and, you know, we can get the kind of Xbox that we hoped for this generation. But um, the bad it, news it, is deserved, man. I don't this know is a big year for them in terms of, uh, of, of, of proving that they have good games, uh, first party games to, to, to mm-hmm. give to us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but speaking of which, it is time to get into the Checkpoint chat where we talk about the Xbox Developer Direct and some of the big first-party offerings that they showed at the show. So let's jump into that right now. It's time for the Checkpoint chat. All right, so Pablo, uh, we have um, our little breakdown of the games that they showed, uh, which were uh, it was supposed to be four, but they ended up obviously making it five with the surprise reveal. Uh, so, Pablo, why don't we do this? Um, you kind of kick off the game, uh, give us kind of the high level about what we, what they talked about, and then we'll give hype scores uh, at the end of each one. Uh, if that yeah. sounds good to you. 
Sure. Uh, with quick caveat, we are not talking anything ESO, uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, it, 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 I'm going to talk I mean, about it at the end. Yeah, yeah. As a, I, yeah. But. As a detriment to the show. It was just right. so, uh, let me say my piece real quick. Out of place. Unnecessary. Yep. It was, it was, it was, it was ridiculous to have him on there. Uh, but we're not going to talk about it here, uh, just based on the fact that none of us are interested in that game uh, to begin with. Uh, sorry, Alex, a friend of ours. Uh, he's the only <laughs> one person I know that plays that game. It's crazy. But uh, the show, the show actually kicked off with Minecraft Legends. Uh, they focus on the PvP portion of it. It's basically a base defense mode. You create your own base, and you have people try to come and invade it. Um, look, it it, it it takes everything about Minecraft and, and puts it into this really quirky little uh, game here. Uh, but the only show they kind of focus on the PvP stuff, and they gave us a release date at April eighteenth, twenty twenty three. Marco, how are we feeling about this game? Uh, let, I, let me just let me just get my hype score yeah, out of the ahead. way. Yeah. By the way, we're doing hype scores one through five, correct? Yes. The, five being the most hype, zero being zero hype. I'm at a uh, beautiful uh, zero <laughs> here <laughs> on my hype score. I do not give a shit about this game. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I have to agree. Um, you know, look, I think that Minecraft Legends to me is the epitome of a non-starter in in my opinion it it is to me it's repurposing a popular license a, lot, a popular franchise with meteoric success and it's just kind of taking that and doing a little spin-off and i i i mean there's nothing that you can say about that game uh in terms of its structure that that makes it have to be minecraft there's crafting in every game ever now, right? Yeah. So it didn't have to be Minecraft. So it's it's clearly, you know, let's take this license, let's take the the, the brand deck, the name equity here, and let's try yeah. to use it and create something new. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't it's, blame them for wrong that. With it. Yeah, I don't blame them for that. Minecraft Dungeons came out a couple of years ago and also didn't care for it. Uh, but, you know... I, Apparently, people who are Minecraft fans are like going crazy over it because all the little stuff about it is all very much Minecraft stuff. But yeah, you're right. This could have been anything. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking that name. Uh, but my whole problem with that is like, I just don't. The, the way they. What pisses me off is the way they talk about this stuff. Like, this was. This is a marquee. And not only Xbox, but again, back to the Xbox podcasters and all those fans. They talk about this like a pillar of the first half of the year. Like, Y'all got to be shitting me, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bizarre, you know. And and this is the thing. Um, I'm I'm debating whether to say it now or at the end. I'll say it now. I think that there, <coughs> if I were to take this whole, you know, direct, and I, I if I were to make this like a, a a dinner at a restaurant, right? Um, Minecraft Legends is to a dining experience what uh what I think um like complimentary bread is. <laughs> to a, a meal like, to me it's 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 just one of those oh this is something we can kind of you know munch on while we're waiting for the bigger and better stuff to drop and i think that uh, anything beyond that in terms of hype you'd either have to be a huge minecraft fan like you said or you're just kind of trying to maybe gas up this game a little bit to kind of make make this seem like a bigger deal than it is because people are so starved for some some new games to play that they yeah. have to make this game feel like it's bigger than it really is. Yeah. Um, I, I think the scope of the game in and of itself is it, it seems quite simplistic and quite small unless I'm missing something. 
Um, so it's not like this is a, a massive game. It's not like this is the next Minecraft or like a Minecraft 2. This is something very well, there's a There's very a whole campaign specific. attached to it as well. Oh, I'm sure there is. But I yeah. mean, it, it, what I'm saying is it's not this like big evolution for Minecraft. It's it's oh, it's, no, it's just a different not. spinoff kind of thing. And I, I, I think that's kind of how it should be treated and not like this, oh my God, like you said, the pillar, one of the pillars of Xbox's year. I don't think this is that. I think this is the yeah. complimentary bread for the the, sure. the dining experience of 2023, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes so sense. So my yeah. hype score is zero as well. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, next game showed was Forza Motorsport. Uh, break down here the things they talked about. Over 500 cars and 20 environments at launch. They promised it's the most visual advanced racing sim game ever. I think that's contractually obligated when every time every time anybody talks about a racing game. Uh, paint chipping, damage, dust, dirt, etc. All is unique to each car. Fully dynamic time of day and weather system. Track temperature and moisture makes it so no two laps ever feel the same. Game will run at native 4K 60 frames with on-track ray tracing. Um, even though there was many rumors that this game was a game as service, a game that I'm going to keep adding to it, and it good, that's why it didn't have a Forza Motorsport 8 or 9 attached to it, whatever the next iteration is. But there was no mention of that at all here. Um, there is a single-player car-building-focused campaign, which is the first time for the series. Uh, no release date, though. That was interesting. Coming in 2023, very recently, as a matter of fact, the day we were recording, Jeff Grubb has said that internally that Forza Motorsport has been delayed to the second half of 2023. Um, and that's something that happened fairly recently. Uh, so that's probably why it showed up here anyway at the at the Direct. Um, yeah, I... I, I I have to be honest, anytime a Forza game comes out, I'm always like, not interested. It comes out very interested for like a week and then never again. And that's and that's and I'm and I'm 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 putting all that into this. This is a much more serious quote unquote sim game, which I'm not really a huge fan of. I got a high score of two and a half, two point five, just because I I I I don't want to say that I'm not interested in it, but I also don't want to be like, oh, this is going to be a game that I'm totally looking forward to. It's kind of hard to talk about it in that sense since it's a Game Pass game, so I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, but uh, to that, I I would say I'm at a two and a half. It really depends on the single player kind of stuff. Uh rounds out I want to see whether or not this is actually a game as service and how much of that is on here uh everything else sounds great over 500 cars fully all that stuff sounds awesome but it's it's par for the course anytime you talk about a forza game and honestly i don't know shit about cars you can give me over seven thousand cars i'll probably just use the porsche and the toyota <laughs> like i don't know anything about you know <laughs> so it doesn't really matter to me in that sense but it looks gorgeous uh i thought it looked great uh marco let me kick it over you what do you think so, um, here's the thing. If this game got a release date on this Direct, I think my score would have been a point higher. But I have to give it a 1 because, I'm sorry, but this this developer Direct should have had release dates for everything that was shown. And for Forza to be a legit pillar of Xbox, not yes. like the Minecraft kind of hyperbole, but like a legit one. And to not get a release date because of some internal decision to push it to whenever the fuck. I think that is profoundly frustrating because um, it, it kind of it kind of goes right back to the same old same where it's it's a tale of half measures for Microsoft. You get the surprises, you get some some news and you also get some more lingering questions. And for Forza to be that latest lingering question among many 
right? With Starfield, we don't know what's going on with that. Now, Forts is up in the air again. It's just frustrating. Now, the game itself uh, seems cool. A lot of the stuff they talked about was stuff that we kind of already knew about. So yeah. the, the the amount of info wasn't as profound as maybe like what they talked about with Redfall, which we'll get to in a second. Um but, you know, hey, I, I did play me a lot of GT7 last year uh, on PlayStation. So, you know, I do have somewhat of an appetite for these kinds of games. It's just that I cannot, in terms of hype, I cannot get excited about a game for Xbox when I just don't know when it's coming yeah. out. And I really thought it was a missed opportunity to give us at least a window. If it said Q3, I would have been even okay with that because then yeah. I, that, that locks it in a little bit more. But... It well, just see, said coming 2023, and it's like, oh, my God, man. Why I'm, are we I'm back a, to this again? I'm of two minds on this. And I, I don't know if you guys heard of the with the saying Occam's Razor. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. Uh, and I think what you're saying is the simplest explanation. The game just needed more time, push back, another problem with, with production. Uh, but I, I'm also going to put my tinfoil hat on here and operate in the sense where there's no way, which there probably is a way, there's no way that Xbox is going to delay one of their pillars when they have already talked about the games that were shown being games of the first half and with uh, the rumors running rampant that Starfield is also going to be delayed. You're telling me two of their pillars that they talked about coming on the first half are going to be delayed? No way, right? So here's my tinfoil hat theory. I think Forza Motorsport is more or less ready to go. I think it's in limbo because... Jess Corden, uh, uh, Gordon, uh, Corden, who is a insider for Xbox, works for uh, Windows Central, has said that there is no internal release date for uh, Starfield in that because they're trying to get it out the first half. My, my, there's been a rumor going around, and it's been substantiated today and then cut down by Jess himself about the Starfield coming out in March. Uh, March twenty third or something yeah, like that. March, uh, yeah, March twenty third, and it was like three twenty three twenty three. He loves his dates. Uh, the rumor is there's going to be a Super Bowl uh, commercial showing the release date, and then that week there's going to be the the showcase that they're having for it, and then the game is coming out in March, and so they sacrifice Forza for the end of the year. Uh, just because that's it's a, it's a pillar, but they'll have something towards the end there. That way, that nothing's too close together. That's my tinfoil hat theory. And that there's, <coughs> sorry guys, there's no way that these two pillars. But there's a very much back to Occam's Razor. There's just very much a possibility that we 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 got Redfall in May, and that's it till the end of the year where we'll get Starfield and, and this uh in Forza. But, uh, I hope that's the case. But regardless of that, that's not something that transpired here during the 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 the. The direct, the developer direct. So, uh, it is what it is. I, I agree. Uh, mm -hmm. That coming twenty twenty three was a huge surprise. Uh, I was, I was. That was the biggest surprise of the night. Even though Hi Fi Rush got uh, got shadow dropped, I was like, I could have people. Were, I would have bet money that Forza Motorsport would have gotten a release date rather than Redfall. You know, I that that's how confident people were, and I was as well. But yeah. Moving on, Marco. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh wait, you talked about it. Yeah, you're good. Uh, yeah. Moving on, Hi-Fi Rush is the game we talked about already. Shadow dropped here. Huge surprise. I saw this. Now, I will say, there's a tweet that I left it up when they were showing hi, uh, showing this game. I put a tweet up of the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, like doing the, the headache thing. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. This looks, what is this game? This looks stupid. Like, why is it in the middle? It turns out that I'm stupid wrong. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think that this is huge. 
for the 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 direct developer direct for them to announce such a a game, shadow drop it, and then it be good. Because if it was bad, this would be really forgettable. So yeah. it's a substantial thing that they did. Uh, Phil going back to his interview saying that he feels it was successful. It was a very successful way to approach this. I thought it was super dope. They can do it because they have the power of Game Pass. Uh, feeling that so. Anybody can check it out who has Game Pass. So I I think it works both ways for them. I thought it was a genius drop. And what a game to do that with. Because this game, Xbox probably could have used this late last year to kind of save their year a little bit. And and, and and maybe it needed the time. I don't know how much more time you could have given it really for it to, to be as polished as it is now. But that great. That's a great little drop here. I, I'm not going to say that I hope they do that more often. But there are games like your beloved... Um, uh, what's that game that you love that's coming out? They said Hollow Knight. Yeah, Hollow Knight. That's yeah. not Xbox though. I mean, no, I know, but they said it wasn't a conference, and they said that it was going to come out the first half. They they've confirmed that, so maybe they have another conference and they do that with that as well. Oh, maybe. Who uh, knows? Yeah, but um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's where I'm at. We're Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, we don't we don't got a high score on that because obviously, uh, it's already out. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. So then, well, let me anything? let me address that real quick. Um, yeah, yeah. So so real fast, I think. This is an interesting thing for Xbox moving forward, right? Because now, leading up to this event, it was, don't don't expect more than these four games, y'all. Don't expect more than these four games. Trust us. Trust us. This is just four games. Four games only. And then we get to the event, and it's five, and we're getting a shadow drop. So now it's like, all right. So now, you know, if you do another one of these, and you don't have the surprise... You know, because now you set that precedent now that maybe maybe that's not all there is, right? Now you've opened a can of worms moving forward, um, where now you maybe have to—I uh, don't mean shadow drop something every every time, but you have to maybe have a surprise every time now. And and then we're gonna hear the well, you know, that was just a one-time thing, guys. Let's temper your expectations. Well, we we you told us to do that, we did that, well, and then I, you you surprised us again. So I I think. Right? I, yeah, and I agree. I, I think Hi-Fi Rush was desperately needed here. Mm-hmm. The way they the way they combat that, the way they come back and they and they, they fight that is their next deliver direct is they, they drop fire. Like they they reveal some really dope shit, avowed and give it a date or something, something that really would would would, would put people like holy shit that was great instead of like looking for the surprise to kind of save the show you know mm-hmm. um that's the only yeah. way they combat this and uh we'll see we'll see how yep. often they do one of these things but they closed out the show with the highly anticipated or at least people who are curious or morbidly curious however you want to put it with redfall showing a little bit more gameplay starts off with single player focus showing off game uh, gunplay and enemy encounters mm-hmm. our king claimed that it was their largest and most detailed world they have ever created a handcrafted world map with handcrafted world events happening throughout the world within that map there was a bunch of side events that either work as side quests or side activities uh, they range from uh, confined bases where you can tackle the objective any way you like a staple in many arcane games other activities were very obviously uh, were obviously meant to be played with more than one player they kind of felt like like uh, Destiny 2 uh, activities in that sense. It's basically everything they have ever done and they put it all in one game. Remains to be seen and they can pull it off. They gather release date here with May 2nd, which is long rumored to be that. Uh, it was supposed to be in April and I think they, they got delayed to May 2nd. Uh, my hype score is at a 3. I, I They showed a lot. I still don't think they showed enough. Um, no HUD. Uh... They never show continuous gameplay. It kept blacking out into the next next moment. Uh, I thought the the gunplay looked decent. 
except very weirdly they never really went into like scoping mode or anything like that 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 AoE looked a little off uh so i it, 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 there's there's something there um that isn't quite right uh yet with the game at, at least in terms of how it looks which is not the good comes out very soon so uh so there and i feel like they're obfuscating i feel like they're they're, they're hiding something like it's an open world game handcrafted world handcrafted events i didn't see any handcrafted events i barely saw the open world i i didn't see i have not seen anybody walk from one point in the map to another point in the map without some kind of blackout and then coming back into the into the thing they'll say mm-hmm. it's for time i say if you have a showcase that you're showing redfall show me redfall i mean there was no hud i'm not i'm not losing right there was no hud ever i like, don't think so, so uh, it's unless like, I'm blanking out, yeah. I don't so, think so it's not like for me when I see a game, there's no HUD and, and you're not showing me everything. I, I it, it almost feels like you're teasing it, but this is supposed to be the last time we see Redfall, right? There's there's no nothing else set up from what we're seeing uh, that's going to show Redfall again, unless they <clears> they do another direct uh, uh, developer direct focus on Redfall, kind of like how Nintendo does a direct specific for games. But yeah, I I'm excited for this game based. And I'm resting. It's because I'm resting on their laurels, and maybe that's shame on me, right? My thing, my oh, my issue is: are all those things going to come together? They're very confident and, and and talked about it as a as a as a good thing. Like everything we've ever done, we put it into one game. That sounds good. That also could sound like a, a recipe for absolute disaster and just be a a, a discombobulated mm-hmm. amalgamation of things that never really come together. Um, so I. I it didn't really do anything for me one way or the other. My hype score is at three. Uh, should be a little higher based on the fact that I had the number nine list in terms of my most anticipated games. But I, I have too many concerns here for what I've um, for what I've seen here. But yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at here with Redfall. Uh, let me kick it over to you. I'm interested to see what you have to say. Yeah. So my hype score, Pablo, is a two. Um, I gotta say. Um, there's a lot of things about this game that concern me all throughout this this entire presentation, and I'm kind of surprised that a lot of people haven't really spotted a lot of this. Um, I think the big thing that I noticed is that the AI, the enemy AI in this game looks bone dumb, plum dumb stupid. Just, just, <laughs> just very, very dumb AI. This was a problem that it, people will recall uh, was a big problem in Deathloop, right? Um, and I think that it became a huge detriment to that game in a sense of you just felt like you were going up against a, a, a bunch of enemies that were just running around aimlessly and never really felt like a threat um, or just intelligent enough to outsmart you or to keep you on your toes, right? So when you have that kind of AI problem and you potentially bring it into a game with this type of structure right where it's all about hordes and you know unique enemy types and you know kind of having to collaborate if you're playing with a friend or whatever and you have dumb ai um that's that's going to potentially tear down a lot of the allure of this game and it, it sort of undermines a lot of what this game is trying to achieve right it's cool that you can play it the stealthy approach but if you're playing the stealthy approach against dumb ai that you know isn't smart enough to even you know know how to spot an enemy or how to engage then you're going to have a lot of wonky stealth moments where you're going to get caught when you really shouldn't have got caught or you're going to be able to 
come up behind an enemy and kill them stealthily and you feel like they should have seen you and they didn't, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have a lot of that weird wonkiness. And then with the shooting in particular, a lot of that gameplay showed a lot of enemies that just kind of ran up and stopped up to a certain point and then just kind of flailed around and, and waited to die. Um, so I think that's a really big problem. They're going to have to fix uh, in, in fast because all you, if you have ba- if you have bad AI, the only thing you can do to offset that is make enemy damage uh, greater, right? So yeah. it, it, it's it's a lot of back for blood. Uh, what back for blood was the enemies were stupid as hell, but if they hit you, you know they're taking away a third of your health in, in one hit, so that you feel and like old. And there's a lot of them, you know. Yeah, and but really, it didn't feel earned because they just they're fucking stupid. So that's a big concern of mine. The other thing is the gunplay. You touched on it. I noticed it too. I think my biggest concern is more with how the game looked like it controlled. Um, the camera movement it looked like there was a lot of motion blur. It didn't look very snappy. It looked like it had that same sluggish sort of turning and, and aiming kind of thing going on uh, as per usual for arcane games. And I've, I've been on record tearing them up about that before. And now you're making a game where it's very, very focused on gunplay and it doesn't seem like they've made a lot of progress from at least what I've looked at. Obviously playing it's a different story. We'll see, but it didn't, it, it, it looked like death loop looked like, and I saw the same weird sluggish, unresponsive kind of thing going on. And it ended up being the case, you know, in, in the final product of death loop. So I, I won't say it's all bad. I think the style of the game is cool. I think it looks decent. Um, I, I, I didn't feel any cringy sort of things going on, uh, which I was really happy about. So it's not all bad, but I think where, where it matters most when it comes to gameplay and when it comes to you know enemies and, and being able to really feel like you've earned something through playing through all that and you know earning the skull that opens up this thing to do that shoot the big heart thing like that's got to be a fun experience and i think the enemy ai and the gunplay have to be on point to make that worthwhile or else this game is just going to feel like kind of a weird clunky wonky little mess of a thing and i hope that's not the case but right i'm at it too i will say i i am excited uh to, to, to get my hands on it, uh, mm-hmm. certain things about it, going inside the going inside that house and exploring the house a little bit and kind of had that confined space. That was that was kind of scary. It's really cool. The areas where it's a confined base and you can tackle it any way you want, like an arcane game, you know, like uh, that's super dope. I'm all into that as well. So yeah, I mean, there are definitely takeaways here where I'm like, if they can actually do what they said, which is take everything they've ever learned from every game they've ever made. And put it into this game, and it doesn't feel like a hodgepodge of uh, of things put into a, a world map. Then they got they got something special here. But there's a lot riding on it, and there's a they're doing a lot. And I don't know if they're going to be able to to pull it all together. So that's why that's why I'm at a three there. But okay. yeah, I mean overall, um, oh I I never changed I I didn't change my grade on the uh, on the uh, on our little thing, but I changed it on my notes, but. It's oh. not that much different. Uh, it's C plus. That's my score. Uh, so for the whole show, a C plus. Okay. Yeah, I have a C plus. My final thoughts about it is, my Forza Motorsport not having a release date is huge. Uh, Redfall, you know, still not showing me everything that I wanted to see. And then the fact that you know, I, Minecraft Legends is cool and all, but it's not for me. Uh, and then Hyper Rush uh, Shadow Dropping is super dope. And then and then and then having you know ESO there taking up my time 
for me to see a, a, what, a, like a five, six-year-old game. I, I have no interest in that kind of stuff. So it isn't the perfect show that I, that I, that I envisioned or at the very least thought they were going to, to, to not miss, right? They're going to come out here and, and swing for the fences, kind of start the year off right. I think that they did some of that. Uh, I think uh, there is still a lot to be left for a lot to be desired, though I don't think it was a complete failure. I think that uh, they said they were going to show you Minecraft Legends, Forza Motorsport, Redfall, and ESO, and that's exactly what they did, though unfortunately with certain ways that they showed the games and certain things, I feel like they dropped the ball uh, a few times here, uh, unfortunately. So that's why it is, is at a C plus. I had it at a B minus, uh, but when I was thinking about it uh, the last couple of days, I'm like, you know what? I, Redfall was really the, the deciding factor for me. If that would have came together and been like, oh, this looks amazing, like without any doubts, this would have been higher uh, in terms of my uh, final grade. Uh, but because I still have questions about Redfall, which I shouldn't have, because this was <laughs> supposed to be the thing that was going to clear it all up. Uh, that's why I'm at a C plus. Um, yeah, you know, so here's the thing. My, my grade is a D plus and a big reason why is, okay. So I, I'm, I, I'm what the kids would call a keep your, keep that same energy kind of guy. Right. So when we talked about the, the prospect of Starfield not being on this show, I distinctly said, if it's not here for me, I consider that an L. So off the bat, I, I had to count that against this this um, this direct because uh, again, it's a tale of just kind of leaving people hanging. And when it comes to the most important games in your catalog, the the upper upper echelon of stuff, right? So you take that omission, right, and then you couple that with Minecraft Legends, which you know I, I described it as the complimentary bread for the dinner, and, and I still feel that way. <laughs> Then you follow that up with Forza Motorsport. You talk about how great it is. You give us nothing in terms of a release date. So that's another key pillar, uh, a true key pillar of, of the Xbox brand. You give us no release date for that, right? You, 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 you give us a pleasant surprise with Hi-Fi Rush. I'll give them credit for that. That was a nice surprise. Um, it, it was nice that it was a shadow drop. It was, it was dope. I ain't going to take anything away from that. But then you follow it up with Redfall, Pablo. And, and like I said, the game looked a little bit off to me. And, and I know that's an unpopular opinion, but go back and watch that again and watch those enemies. Just trust me. Go take another look at it. It's very, very rickety, okay? I hope that game turns out great. But if that's the finale for this Direct, and I'm walking away from that, even though I got a release date, which I'm, I'm, I'm okay, that's cool, I'm happy with that. But I'm walking away, like Pablo said, with more questions and concerns than confidence and answers. I'm, I can't sit here and call this show great. I liked the format. I did like the format. thought it was yeah, cool. The format, you talk about that. The format was cool, yeah. Yeah, you can keep the format. Format's fine. The length is fine of the, of the show. It was it was good, but what I saw, and then we got ESO, a whole nine year old ass game that you're bringing here at a time when we need to know what's going on with what's new and upcoming. The future, and you think you think this is the place to do that? I know that people like ESO. I know that ESO is long running and it has a lot of great content. I'm not taking anything away from the game or the community. If you're hype with what you saw, then more power to you. But this is not the place for that. 
There are so many more important things that need to be addressed about Xbox's pipeline, and ESO is not one of them. Between this shit and when they drag Fallout 76 out in front of us every couple of uh, you know months or every year or so, um, or like Sea of Thieves and shit like that, like this is not the place and the time to to talk about this stuff. It's cool. Like, yo, the expansion looks like it could be a good time. All the DLC coming out for free for people is a really nice little coup for people that want to, you know, um, jump in and be late to the party, whatever. But this ain't the place, man. And and to think that Starfield wasn't here, but we got ESO, and we got Minecraft. Let, it just, to me, you add all this up, and it wasn't terrible, but it just it wasn't a passing grade for me. So I had to go D-plus on this one. And I hope that, um, you know, it's the first one. We'll see what they do in the future ones. But um, to me, I think this one just left me with more um, longing for more than what I actually got. And and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, you know, our grades are different. But I think that our, we've, you know, we came away from it feeling about the same. I just, I just felt a little more confident in some of the things, or at the very least, they, they, I, I, they deliver what they said they were going to deliver. So I judged them off of that. I still think even Starfield was in there. I don't, I don't believe, I don't, I don't agree with you that it's an automatic L because they've already talked about it being somewhere else. But you know, I mean, if, if, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I can't take that away from me. And if I, if I felt the same way, yeah, I couldn't see myself giving this anything more than what you gave it for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm very much the Xbox fan that's been impacted by all the bad news. I'm I'm very much that guy these days, and I, I hope that I'm wrong, but it just made me more critical and more skeptical of Xbox. And unfortunately for me, this this event didn't exactly tip the scales back in, uh, you know, a, a positive light. But unfortunately, that's kind of how it is for now. But, um, hey, man, playing my Xbox playing hi-fi rush i'm getting some use out of this console and i'm having a good time with that game so hey it, it turned out it turned out somewhat we all got right some, we end. got something from it yeah yeah we definitely got something that's good um but we hope you enjoyed this week's something of a show uh ladies and gentlemen until next time please be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed the show and you don't hate us uh, for being uh you know fair and down the middle about xbox uh, and also, don't forget to follow us on IG, Twitter, and Hive at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, so until next week, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.